The Silk Road was a network of trade routes which connected the East and the West. It was central to the economic, cultural, political, and religious interactions between these regions from the 2nd century BCE up until the 18th century. But it wasn't until 2011 that it was given a second life online. Welcome to Infamous Individuals. Hello, welcome to uh, Infamous Individuals. Uh, I'm Morgan, and joining me as always is my infamous partner in crime, Dom. How are you, Dom? Very well, thank you. I'm I'm very much looking forward to hearing about today's story. And yeah. I think this is a, a surprisingly recent one for us. Like, normally we've, um, you know, spoken about quite infamous people from history, but this is a very contemporary story that yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to. I remember when this all went down and not knowing a great deal about <laughs> it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to learn the uh, true story of the Silk Road. Yeah, um, apparently infamous individuals are still around uh, in current times, so that's why not true. look and at Arguably one? even more infamous today. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. Um, so today, uh, we will be looking at the exploits of the infamous dread pirate Roberts, or as he is more commonly known, Ross Ulbricht. So, uh, Ross Ulbricht was born on March 27th, 1984, uh, the same year the Apple Macintosh personal computer was first introduced, for context. Uh, Ulbricht grew up near Austin, Texas. He studied physics at the University of Texas at Dallas and graduated in 2006. So, uh, yeah, very contemporary. I was in grade six in 2006 for uh, personal context. <laughs> nice. It's really uh, going to help the listener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to help track the timeline. <laughs> uh, then he went to Pennsylvania State University to pursue a master's program in material science. During this time, Ulbricht developed a keen interest in libertarian views of economic theory. He became a supporter of the political philosopher Ludwig von Mises and aligned his views with prominent libertarian politicians. Uh, For reference, Ludwig von Mises was an economist of the Austrian school who argued for free markets and against socialism, interventionism, and government manipulation of money. He made influential contributions to monetary theory, business cycle theory, and political economy. So uh, a lot of things in there. Uh, Back to Ross, he graduated from Penn State in 2009 and returned to Austin to become an entrepreneur, much like Dom and myself. So this is actually a cautionary tale for the both of us. I feel like given some of our, um, given some of our entrepreneurial exploits on um, recent episodes of a different podcast, this is a surprisingly cautionary tale. Yeah, this is uh, the warnings of what could happen to us. Uh, Ross's early career attempts were unsuccessful, and he moved between a number of jobs. He tried his hand at day trading and developing video games, as well as founding a company to sell books online. Pfft, never going to happen. I mean, uh, this this man could have been Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Instead of Bezos, we could be talking about Uber. We'll get to the end and talk about who's committed more crimes. <laughs> that could be uh, an interesting discussion. Uh, It was during this time that Ulbricht first developed the idea of creating an online marketplace utilizing Tor encryption and Bitcoin, which was still in its budding stages at the time. The uh, Tor network is a secure encrypted protocol to ensure privacy of data and communications on the web. Short for the Onion Router, the system uses a series of layered nodes to hide IP addresses online and browsing history. 
It's basically just hides what you're doing on the internet, essentially. Uh, and Bitcoin is one of the world's largest digital currencies, more commonly referred to as a cryptocurrency. It has recently become quite popular, and I'm sure most people have heard of it. You're familiar with Bitcoin, aren't you, Dom? I'm sure you are. I am. I am. I am intimately familiar with um, Bitcoin. Uh, Twitter bots spam me all the time about it. But no, I, 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 I'm, I'm a little bit uh, familiar with Bitcoin. I, I have been aware of it since, you know, <laughs> the 2000s. I was just checking before we started uh, recording. My Bitcoin portfolio has a whopping uh, 95 cents worth in it at the moment. Well, hey, so, you can retire on that. Man, if I'd invested back when I started collecting Bitcoin... I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to do podcasts. So. <laughs> well, lucky for me that you didn't and you're still around to uh, co-host with me. I know that we could have, we could have funded a lot of, a lot of programming. Yeah. We could have funded a, an online website that used Tor encryption and Bitcoins. We could have. Yeah. We should have. In fact, if you'd like to donate Bitcoin to the show. <laughs> Already asking for handouts. Um, but by adopting this encryption and cryptocurrency, Ulbrich believed that his marketplace could provide anonymity and security for its participants, allowing them to avoid government scrutiny. This idea would eventually develop into the Silk Road marketplace. Uh, he officially founded Silk Road in 2011, calling himself Dread Pirate Roberts Online in a nod to the hit 1987 movie The Princess Bride, which I'm sure many people are familiar with. According to his LinkedIn, Ross envisioned Silk Road as a means to abolish the use of coercion and aggression amongst mankind. Which sounds quite nice. I, just just to be clear, I assume he added the Silk Road to his LinkedIn after it came to light that he was involved. It would be Yeah. It would be a very silly thing to do to create an underground website yeah. all about, you know, trading commodities anonymously. And um, avoiding government uh, intervention and, and then putting that on your LinkedIn. And it would look equally bad for the government and the, uh, the authorities <laughs> because they had trouble finding him if it was just on his LinkedIn at the time. Listen, maybe they weren't, you know, connected on LinkedIn. Like maybe they weren't <laughs> part of his network. Potentially. That's my, that might be how it took so long. Um, he also said at the time he was creating an economic simulation to give people a first-hand experience of what it would be like to live in a world without the systematic use of force. So, you know, this seems like quite nice vision, potentially. Or it could have uh, dark purposes. Uh, <laughs> Silk Road quickly became very popular. Numerous media outlets picked up stories on the market in mid-2011, which led to a significant amount of interest in the site and traffic increased exponentially. Of course, as the site became more widely known, authorities also made moves to identify Silk Road users and to shut down the site. Nonetheless, Silk Road remained a popular but shrouded marketplace where both legal and highly illegal activity took place through 2013. It's an interesting sort of scenario, really, like where you've you've set up a, a website that could be used for anything, right? And so you're, you're, I guess, guaranteed to have just some, some pretty benign stuff on there, as well as all of the, you know, the drug dealing. It would be pretty naive to assume that, that people were only going to use it for normal, uh, illegal stuff. It's it's one of those things where it's like, if, if you're building a platform, that is a, 
um i mean this is, this is the problem that like youtube competitors get is like no matter how 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 pure your ideals are if you build a platform that is unmoderated uh all you're gonna end up with is the people who were kicked off or aren't welcome on all of the other platforms it's just what happens build it and they will come <laughs> I think that's from a movie. Uh, it was reported in early 2013 that an Australian drug dealer was the first individual to be convicted of crimes directly linked to the Silk Road. Australia represent. <laughs> it's, it's great. Uh, proud, we're, we're proud of our country, aren't we? I mean, I guess it's good that drug dealers are getting caught. Yeah, I mean, look, hey, we, we it was an Australian drug dealer, but we convicted him. Hey. Go us. No one else had been convicted on the Silk Road yet, so head of the game. But also Nanny State. <laughs> Just leave that there. <laughs> it was from this point that the identification of Silk Road users continued to develop, and eventually the FBI determined that Ulbricht was the founder and owner of Silk Road. He was arrested on October 2nd, 2013, in a San Francisco library, and was later indicted on seven charges. He also faced murder for hire charges in a separate case in Baltimore Federal Court. However, these charges were ultimately dropped in 2018. In the process of shutting down Silk Road, the FBI seized 144,336 bitcoins from a shared digital wallet on Ulbricht's laptop. They were sold in a series of auctions generating proceeds worth $48.2 million. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Imagine if you'd uh, cashed in early, Dom. Yeah. Should have. Should have. <laughs> According to the prosecutors, by the time it was shut down, the site had generated almost 213.9 million in sales and 13.2 million in commissions for its owner. It's pretty successful. Orbic's trial began in January 2015 and he was convicted on seven counts, including a so-called drug kingpin charge that carries a 20-year minimum sentence. In addition to drug charges, he was convicted of money laundering, along with facilitating the sales of fake ideas and computer hacking tools so uh look he did facilitate that that is true he did i'm I'm, it's one of those things isn't it where it's like i you built you built the platform and you knew what was going on but if i built a gun and someone shoots something like that i mean that's yeah (laughs) Uh, federal prosecutors also alleged that Ulbrich had paid $730,000 in murder for hire deals, targeting at least five people, allegedly because they threatened to reveal Ulbrich's Silk Road enterprise. Prosecutors believe no contract killing actually occurred, and Ulbrich was not charged in his trial with any murder for hire, but evidence was introduced at trial supporting the allegations. So, I mean, look, you can make a lot of excuses about how... You know, you, you, it's just an experiment. You built the platform. You're not the one who decided to, to sell drugs and, and so on. Um, but look, if you're at the point where you're potentially, allegedly, hiring people to murder people who are about to reveal your identity... That just speaks strongly to like you know what you're doing. To use is it is it great to use the same analogy? If I built a gun, if I created a gun, <laughs> that's fine. But if I gave it to someone and went, you should use it on this other person, mm-hmm. that's a problem. And then if you were to then hire someone to kill someone who is going to say that you were the one who built the gun, yeah, yeah. that's questionable. You know, it's like it's 
Oh, it's always funny when you, you watch some pirated content on YouTube and it says down the bottom, I, all rights belong to, you know, Universal or whatever, no copyright intended. You're like, so you knew it was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so you knew you're not supposed to do it, right? <laughs> like, but yeah, you, Universal doesn't care that you put that there. <laughs> Ulbricht's trial was a highly publicised and charged event, with the presiding judge reportedly receiving death threats from presumed Silk Road supporters, although that was never proven. Prior to his sentencing, Ulbricht stated via a letter to the judge that his actions were linked to his libertarian ideals and that Silk Road was supposed to be about giving people the freedom to make their own choices. On May 29th, 2015, Ulbricht was sentenced to two life imprisonment terms plus 40 years to be served concurrently without the possibility of parole. He attempted to appeal, and in May 2017, the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit denied his attempt. Also in 2017, Ulbricht appealed to the Supreme Court, with attorneys arguing that his case involves unresolved constitutional questions regarding the Fourth Amendment and the digital age, because this was something that was kind of new it hadn't been seen before so it was kind of precedent setting i'd say and they were argued that maybe the wrong precedent was set yeah i mean i don't know it's like <laughs> i don't know the details of that that in particular but i think it's it's pretty fair to just go yeah you can't do that stuff in real life you also can't do it on the internet <laughs> Uh, however, in June 2018, the court declined to hear Ross's case. On October 10th, 2019, Ulbricht filed a motion with the New York Southern District Court to vacate or set aside his sentence. After his incarceration, his mother, Lynn Ulbricht, created an online petition to commute his double life sentence. At the time of recording, this change.org petition has just over 360,000 signatures. I don't know about you, but I don't know that I've ever seen a uh, change.org petition make any changes <laughs> um yeah good good question uh, <laughs> yeah i'm not sure i've i've seen that either <laughs> doesn't stop me from signing them but uh yeah just you know maybe maybe not the best way of doing it according to freeross.org he has been in prison for 2,651 days. Uh, if you're interested, freerossalbrick.org uh, is a site that has a lot of uh, a lot of arguments for his uh, to be released and a lot of... Yeah, it's just interesting to look at if you <laughs> have the time to check it out. Uh, it's, uh, it seems a bit propaganda-y, but you know, that's why we're not going to get too deep into it. But yeah, <laughs> uh, after that, uh, that's where the story ends for now. He's still in prison. He's still technically been charged and found guilty on all those cases what do you think of uh ross albrook as an infamous individual dominic certainly infamous certainly an, in, uh, an individual it's it's an interesting case right where it's like maybe the punishment seems kind of out of proportion like what two concurrent life sentences plus 40 years like that's a lot yeah and it's and uh, according to um freeross.org it's a lot more than the actual drug dealers on silk road got <laughs> It's one of these things, right? Like, you know, he's pretty young and he was doing this. If, if he really did have these sort of, you know, libertarian ideals and, and wanted to try this free market experiment sort of thing and just be like, you know, let's let's build a place where, yeah, free speech thrives and people can make their own choices. But, 
you know, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you let it get out of control. Yeah. You let it get really out of control. And, and you then made you, a, you made a lot of money. You <laughs> made a lot of money and you maybe partook in some of the bad elements of your mm. <laughs> of your new uh, site. You know, I mean, yeah, you can get swept up in that, sure. But there's a point where you're like, oh, <laughs> have I crossed a line? Have I crossed the line? Should I maybe put a stop to this? To quote Spider-Man, with great power <laughs> comes great responsibility. And I think he may be laxed on the responsibility. And while the, it was a big, uh, a big, a lot of years uh, he was charged for, mm-hmm. I think potentially because this hadn't been seen before that they were just trying to make an example. Like if you're a, yeah. tr- if you're a, a trailblazer, potentially maybe going to come down a bit harder on you. I think it's one of those things as well. I mean, it's interesting the the impact that Silk Road has had on things like Bitcoin and and Tor, where it's like Bitcoin too has this ideal of being, you know, a really free and open and, you know, un, unbeholden to any government sort of, um, that that's their ideal, that's that's the point it's this decentralized currency and all of this but because of that it's got this association with you know the silk road and with you know doing dodgy stuff and the same with tor where it's like that's that's the big component of like the dark web and all of the shit that goes on there but you know it 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 tars a platform that is on the surface quite benign and and has these big ideals and you know, Tor especially is incredibly important to people in, you know, countries and, and places where they don't have freedom of speech and, you know, that like you can't communicate with the outside world and things like that. But, you know, it's that double-edged sword of if you've got a place that is completely unregulated and, and even unregulated by societal norms, you're going to see the worst of society come out as well as the best. And often it is that worst that overshadows. It's just chaos. It's just complete chaos. Once it's kind of like the once uh, society's structures are taken away, we just descend into animals. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what the message here is, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. Right now, Dom, I have to ask because you, mm. you you were you weren't sure at the start, but Ross Ulbrich, greater. Uh, more evil or less evil than uh, Jeff Bezos? Where do you where do you stand on this after hearing a bit of his story? So, I mean, you can't buy drugs on Amazon, and you can't hire a hitman on Amazon. That's true. But <laughs> listen, you don't get to be Jeff Bezos without exploiting a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, surely he's got some murder for hires on his under his belt. <laughs> and I'm not sure who Russell Brick exploited, to be honest. I mean, it's a murder for hire thing, probably, right? <laughs> like, like allegedly, but probably. I don't know. I'm trying to remember back to media law to say exactly how much of my opinion I'm allowed to broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, n- Dom's opinion is not affiliated with the uh, Spiker Trap Network or Infamous Individuals as a whole. He is a uh, freelance who has his own opinion. <laughs> and uh, I'm not, Honestly, I'm not even sure my opinion is associated with me. But <laughs> <laughs> This opinion is not mine. It is completely separate from my body and my mind. It's interesting that he tried to start an online bookstore. I find that very interesting. Yeah, and it's like, why didn't that take off? 
But then I was like, probably because people weren't reading books. <laughs> they were instead doing drugs and hiring murderers. And you know what? He found his market, so <laughs> good on him. He's just there on, on Silk Road trying to list used books the whole time as we like. <laughs> He's like, I've got this entire warehouse. Come on, books. stop buying the drugs. Buy my copy of The Great Gatsby. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that is a, another episode of Infamous Individuals where we looked at the Dread Pirate Roberts, which is a much more infamous sounding name than Ross Ulbricht. I mean, you can't be mad at a Princess Bride fa- uh, fan, can you? No. If, if anything, that's why he should be let off. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with more Infamous Individuals. This has been a Spiky Trap Radio production. For more Spiky Trap Radio content, please head to spikytrap.com.